So, I'm going to do a two-part series here just on hope. And I prayed about this title and picked it out about a month ago and had a whole kind of outline for this week and for next week and just going to do a two-part thing. And was all set and thought, man, I'm out ahead of this thing and I know what I'm going to talk about. And I hit... Sunday night, Monday morning, like many of you, and the world changed a little bit. And and the same token, I feel like God put this series here for a reason, even ahead of knowing exactly what would happen in our world and, and how things would look a little different this week. And it was really providential. And just rolled with it to talk about just what's happened a little bit with tragedy in Las Vegas what's happened with tragedy, how we have hope in the midst of those things. I'm going to warn you up front, I know a lot of you keep kids with you in here, I am going to talk through just a few of the details of those events at a high level, nothing graphic, but you can make a decision if um, you want to keep them all in or um, not, but it's a little warning on that. Let me pray and then we'll just jump in here. God, we thank you for today. God, we... Some of these things happen in our world, and it just changes the world before us, and it changes how we think about things, and our safety, and how we react to things, and um, how we need to seek you. I pray you'd you'd help us catch your heart in this. God, I, I pray you'd help us be able to still hope and smile at the future and um, God I don't don't think I have great wisdom today other than to say we need to look to you God you are our hope we say that up front and I just pray you bless this time help us just catch your heart help us just be looking to you help us be hearing from you today we pray you redeem this short time together in Jesus name Amen Well, I wanted to start, I'll get to this thing this week. I don't know about you, but I feel like in my lifetime, things have changed a lot with events going on around us, with mass shootings, with terror attacks, even with natural disasters going on. It feels like a different world today than it did the start of the sheet, 1995, than it did in the early 90s. I feel like my kids are growing up in a different world than I did. And as I look at some of these things, I'm going to run through a few of these. You might remember these, you might not. Some of them were a little more well-known. I remember a lot of these things. Um, I look at Oklahoma City in 1995. Those two men took a truck into that skyscraper in Oklahoma City and and blew up the truck and hundreds of people were injured. The world didn't quite feel the same after that. I hadn't really considered being in a building like that. Someone could just come in and um, blow it up and it's right on our soil and it kind of hit us. We felt like, yeah, that stuff happens in the Middle East and the, some of those wars over there had gone on in the early 90s and we'd send our soldiers and that was a little different but 
it was right in the middle of a city with a lot of business people and um, it just started to hit and then in 1999 that's another one real close to a lot of us in Colorado I don't know if any of you were on that side of town or could have even been in that school at Columbine High School um, with that shooting at that school and Again, it was something I don't think we ever felt growing up like you'd go to school and worry about something like that. You'd really think about, uh, am I safe when I go there? Are other kids bringing guns to school? Or are people getting shot? We didn't think that way. But that event happened and it just changed how we felt. It, it changed what we thought about, what was in our realm of possibility when we went to school. And um, I could talk probably a whole half an hour on that event alone was just horrific and, and good stories with it, but just to say it changed things for us. I'll run through some of these quick. Some of these I... My wife Sarah was helping me grab a list of these. Some of these I remember and some of these I don't this many years later, but December 2000, uh, Edgewater Tech, I think it was just a just business person that was upset about... Um, it's upset about... He was at a consulting firm and something about his, he owed back taxes and was upset with the world and his employer somehow. I think they garnished his wages because the government had got involved and he just snapped and started going off on his co-workers. And then that next one down, 9-11. That was another one that just changed everything too. Um, I remember... I remember that morning and being in New York, being somewhere where there's so much media, I remember waking up and my roommate had the TV on and I came out and the first building had been hit and I remember it being on fire and and just being able to sit there and, and you could watch this thing unfold on national TV and you watched the building fall and you watched the second airplane and it unfolded about what was going on in D.C. and some of the other plans with that. Nearly 3,000 people died. And it started this idea of terrorist organizations and there's whole people out there. And it things changed for us again. It just, it just felt like darkness is creeping in in our nation in some ways. In February 2007 another one with five killed, just a shopping mall thing. I think Virginia Tech, I do remember that one. We have a sister church there. I remember them getting involved and they had a student group on that campus just trying to help those kids. It's just 18 to what, 21, 22, 23 year olds and they just have this going right at their school there and over 30 killed. It's a student right at the school. I think he was 23 years old. Just a few. I mean, November 2009 in Texas, another one. I think July 2012, it's another one close to home out in Aurora. Probably touched someone in this room or someone you know, being so close to it. And again, just outside of a movie theater. It was after midnight. 
And then 2012, the Sandy Hook thing, was an elementary school where someone went in and, and hit elementary school age kids. And there was the Boston Marathon thing, 2013. Another one that was just kind of right on TV because it's televised anyway and people are watching it and, and this hit us. A number of other ones here. I'll just start skipping a few of these. I do think um, 2016 in Orlando, just last year there was that nightclub. Um, I believe it was a, a gay nightclub in Orlando. It was late at night. And, and this one was another one that they thought in the end might be connected with ISIS and something like that. And um, It was the worst shooting on our soil that had ever happened with 49 people killed and another 58 injured. And then we find ourselves here just a year later when we just locked down the worst shooting we'd ever had. And here we are one year later and the bar was raised. And I bet a lot of you are catching the details, but it's, it's kind of eerie because as these have gone on, I feel like as everyone's having a cell phone in the midst of these events, as there's more media coverage, you just catch more of it. It wasn't long after this event, there's stuff on the internet, on major websites, news sites where you could catch audio of it. Um, there's just people out at a country concert just trying to enjoy the night and things changed. Almost 60 people killed and hundreds of other injured in hospitals. And I ask a question. I go through that list and it can stir a lot of things. And I really don't mean it just to be like, let's stir up emotions as much as, I don't know about you, but I think it faces us. We go through something like this week and we're not quite the same people and we don't quite see things the same and it changes us a little bit. And so I just ask you, when you go through that list, when you think about what happened Sunday night, what emotions do you feel? And just throw it out to the crowd. What, what does it stir up in you? Anger. Anger? Yeah, we want some kind of vindication or judgment. Just, how could someone do that? Anything else? Sadness. Yeah. Breaks our heart. There's 60 families' lives that just, they lost someone this week. What else? Disappointment. Yeah, I think of some other things. One, I think I felt a lot of those things. I think fear. I don't know if you felt that at all. You just, I think this, all those things just make us a little more fearful of events than we would have been in 1994. 
I think another one I've noticed even is I feel like there's a little bit of callousness. I don't know. I don't know what you think, but I think through some of those events that we talked through in that list and how it impacted me and how it impacted society. And some of those things just rocked our world, 9-11. It changed where we felt safe. It changed how we thought about things. It changed if we felt safe in school. It changed how we did security in the airport. You have to go an hour earlier now. (laughs) We'd never known what a full body scan was in 1994. I remember that week of 9-11. People were not even going into work. You just didn't even understand, how can I keep going to work? How can you go on with life? Where's God in this? I remember we hit that weekend, and it just didn't even feel like you could watch sports. They canceled all the football games in the NFL that weekend. It just, things shut down. The country didn't know what to do. And I think now, over 20 years later, I guess not from 9-11, but from the start, I feel a little more calloused. I feel like, oh, it's just one more shooting. And not as much like it's fundamentally changing something. And that's a little scary. I think another thing, we now just consider this normal. It's part of our world. It's what our kids are going to grow up in. It's normal that we're going to see these events. The last two years have had the worst events. And fundamentally, we can't go back. We can't go back 20 years. We can't go back 10 years. We can't go back two. This is the world we're in now. And I almost fear, is it just heading down that road? And I put up another question to think about. I don't know if this has crossed your mind this week. But somewhere you wonder, is God just increasingly absent that this is going out of hand? like this I can't help but stop and say God how do we get here I learned in Sunday school God is good I can sing a song about it have my kids singing it but yeah where is God in 59 people getting gunned down could he have prevented it does he care Is the world just going to hell in a handbasket and there's nothing we can do about it? I think somehow we just see this disconnect and we've got the goodness of God in one side and it's something intellectual and then we have, here's what I'm seeing and here's what's going on in the world and they can drift in what we'd expect them. And as I look back, I just think through how did we get here is a question I think about. And, and how does God feel absent? And how are we at this place? And I think back to just the history of the world. How God created it. And God created the earth. And he created it to be something good. And he created Adam and Eve. And he put them in the garden. And there was no sin. And there was this little utopia there. And everything was good. And increasingly from there, we turned from God. 
They ate of the apple. And then they killed an animal, the first death, to cover themselves. And they were kicked out of the garden. And then the world just from there went to so much sin. I'm fast forwarding over a lot of history. But went to so much sin, God looked at it and said, I can't even look anymore. And he flooded the whole earth. And he said, after that, I'm not going to flood it again. I'm not going to look at it and see the evil and flood it. I'm going to kind of let it go. He said, I'm confirming my covenant with you. Never again will the floodwaters kill all the living creatures. And so over time, it just kind of headed back down that road in sin. To the point where God looked at the world and he said, I want to save it. I care for those people. And he sent his son to the earth who lived a sinless life. And what did the world do? They were in sin and they rejected him and they killed him. And Jesus overcame death and paid for the sin of the world and went to heaven. And God sent his Holy Spirit to us. to those who believe in him and yet you have this world that was going to go on just rejecting him as they rejected Jesus and you have Satan kind of running the world running what's going on he's described as the ruler of the world in 1 John and God told us in Matthew 24 to expect harder times in the end to have wars earthquakes, famines things would get harder and all the way to the end and one day Jesus would return and he'd judge the earth and he'd draw people back to himself. It's a whole history right there. And so here we are in the middle of that and we're left with this world that's rejected God. And the world is becoming more and more hostile towards God. Just the general sense, our culture, our world. We kicked prayer out of schools, out of our government. You can make enemies really fast just by calling things sin that are in the Bible or saying you need to believe in Jesus to go to heaven. You can't do that anymore at work. And there's a sense of an increasingly grim outlook when I look at those events stacking up. And I just see we need just a glimmer of hope in the middle of it. Something to look at, something to grab onto with Jesus. And I look at another point in that spot we're at in history of Jesus has gone to heaven and we're waiting for him to come back. And I think one of the things that really gives me hope and can give us hope in the middle of it is that God is with us through the Holy Spirit if you believe in God. And we ask that question there, how can God bring us hope? And one of the things I think about as I prayed about it this week, how can we hope in the middle is just that God cares and is involved with us. Because said he's given us the Holy Spirit. 
when he sent us on the Great Commission in Matthew 28 to go out and share the gospel. He said, be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And he talked about those things that would come in the end of the age. I think he was looking ahead saying, when it gets like this, I am with you always. I clicked through a lot. He's given us his spirit in the middle of it. When he left, he said, I'm going to go away, but I will send another. He would give us the Holy Spirit. And shortly after he left, he said, stay at this place. The Holy Spirit came upon them, and God was with us through the Holy Spirit. God's in us and involved with us. I think another thing with that, with God in us, God suffers with the things we suffer with. Isaiah 63. He said, They are my very own people. Surely they will not betray me again. And he became their Savior. In all their suffering, he also suffered. And he personally rescued them. In his love and mercy, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them through all the years. And when we suffer, when we grieve, Jesus shares in that suffering, the Holy Spirit in us. He says, I will be there in that suffering and I will share in it. If you've gone through anything great, suffering or trials in your life and you're devastated about it, someone just putting an arm with you and crying with you makes a big difference, doesn't it? And Jesus is there with us in that. Suffering and crying. God's going to be grieving with all of those families as they go through funerals, as they try to pick up the pieces, as they try to understand. The person that carried this out, his girlfriend, they've been interviewing nonstop and trying to get information out of. I'll be with her. I think about how confusing of a person to be in the middle of this. Of She was pretty shocked and had no idea, it sounded like. God's going to help them pick up the pieces. There's another verse in Isaiah 61. It says, For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. I will faithfully reward my people for their suffering and make an everlasting covenant with them. I think when it's talked about the reward of their suffering, it did, in this context, have a little more to do with the people of Israel and suffering for being God's people. But I also look at it and go, God notices suffering. He knows when it goes on. He says somewhere else, He catches our tears in the bottle when we cry. He says He'll reward that somehow. Somehow, as we go through suffering, God says He'll reward that. He sees it. God says he's close to us when we're broken hearted in Psalm 34. 
It draws us near. It helps us cling to Him. It helps us understand Him. And God knows and cares for each of us deeply. I'm not going to put all of Psalm 139 up. It's lengthy. But it's one of the most encouraging chapters of the Bible to me. Just a few verses. It says in verse 17, How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. God is thinking about us constantly. You can't number the times God thinks about you. God's concerned with your well-being. Later on it says, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. God created us. He knit us together. Every part of us He made. It's not just some biological equation and something comes out of mom. God created you a specific way. He knew you. He knew what would hurt you. He knew what you'd love. He knew who you'd marry. He knew your hair color, your height. He saw us before we were born. Another place it says he wrote every day in our book. He knew every day we'd have on this earth. How many days, how many years. He said every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Nothing slipped away from God. And so while God has handed this world over to Satan and we see incredible wickedness and evil and hopelessness on that list of things going on, God is intimately involved with those who love Him. He's with us by His Spirit. He's in us. He knows us. He knows every thought, every action, every tendency. He suffers with us. He cries with us. He grieves with us over these things that happen. Another fact. So God cares for us, but he also has the power to do something about it, to act. He's not constrained. He's not helpless. He's not tied up with chains on the side just hoping someone else doesn't do something. One of the things that encourages me is that he has the ability to bring peace. And in this context, I don't just mean we all have a drum circle and hold hands. But he can bring peace to our hearts. Where we can have fear, where we can have anxiety, it can seem really elusive to feel peaceful. And yet, when the Holy Spirit's in us, in Galatians it says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There is no law against these things. God puts that in our hearts. He accomplishes something. He does something. He can act and produce something in us that's supernatural and beyond just the events and how we might react to it and beyond how they would measure someone looks at a video or looks at an event and triggers. God can do something in our heart. He can help us. I think of goodness and kindness. He can help us not respond in kind. I know as we feel anger, 
Somehow we want revenge. Somehow we want it to be made right. Somehow we want to take part in that. And God can help us say, Brad, I don't really need you to go be angry. This is the fruit I want of my spirit in you and I'll handle it. God can bring goodness to bear in the wake of tragedy. And he has the power to do that. This verse I put up there is from Genesis 50. I'm going to go through the whole story, but this is from the story of Joseph when his brothers were just very wicked and were trying to decide if they are going to kill him or what they want to do with them, and they were gracious and just sold them off to slavery and lied to their dad and say he was dead and just put him off to suffer for years and years and years of his life. And God finally turns it around and has him in this position of power in Egypt and to kind of come back in this position of them being in a famine and them needing help from him. And he has this, probably the ability to just crush them with the say of his word because of his power in, in Egypt. And he says one of the best representations of grace in the whole Bible. He said, you intended to harm me brothers who sold me and left me for dead but God intended it for good he brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people he understood somehow that was wicked and that was evil but yet God will do good in the wake of it and use that in his life I look at 9-11 and there are some things that changed our world through it, but in the wake of that, you saw a lot of good things that God was able to do in drawing people's hearts to himself and bringing together communities and drawing people to him and people coming together to help those families. A lot of good came in the aftermath of it that God brought about, even if he didn't bring that event about. I think God has a lot of good that's going to come in the wake of this. It's still pretty early. We're still just trying to pick up the pieces and figure out what happened. I've seen some, I looked online just to get, you're not going to see much of it in the news, but just anyone out there that are in churches and trying to share the gospel. And and they're saying it's just wild. You can go down the strips of Vegas and people will talk about eternity, talk about how to process this information. I've only driven through Las Vegas once. I don't spend a lot of time there, but I'm guessing that's not a normative on the strip of Las Vegas to talk about eternity and not just where you're going to gamble and catch the next party. And God's bringing things through that. I think he's going to bring good and help for families. He's going to bring gospel presentations at those funerals. I don't think he's going to let this just be the last word of evil playing out. Ultimately, he'll make things right. Ecclesiastes 12.14 God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. God will judge it. And this one's hard. I look at this event, and a lot of those tragedies, a similar thing happened. This guy came on the scene anonymously, killed nearly 60 people and before they could get up to him and and have justice play out in a way that the police could decide or the court could decide he took his life and there's something in that that we get back to the anger we talk about or something like that that feels unfulfilled of he got to write out his own story 
in one sense, I don't think taking your life is getting away with something, but it also isn't judgment coming upon him. But I look at a verse like this going, well, you're just getting a, a different judgment in the midst of that. Each of us will. God will ultimately judge everything we do. Everything hidden, everything that someone got away with. God will make it right. Part of that is that there is an eternity. There is a punishment for eternity. There is a heaven people go into. A hope they can have in that. We're going to talk more about that next week. Just that hope of heaven. But God can make things right. I think the the last thing just to think about is that God could be an anchor for our soul in these times. Psalm 46, 1. God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. two things on that one gets back to that care but God's always ready and he's available to help when we enter that trouble when we enter the storm when we enter the tragedy God's ready to help he's close he's in us and he's our refuge and our strength in those times Hebrews 6.19 this hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Somehow our faith in God can anchor us down, can anchor our soul. Look at this one, Hebrews 13.8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. While it feels like the world is just headed off the deep end, Jesus Christ is the same. It's the same God that created the earth and created it good. It's the same God that died for us on the cross, that overcame sin, that gave us the Spirit. He's the same, and He's going to carry out His goodness. And His character hasn't changed. He hasn't forgotten. He'll bring about a good in the midst of it and for eternity. In Psalm 91.1 Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. We can dwell in His shelter. We can live there. When I think of some of these verses, I can't help but a lot of them talking about an anchor. We were talking about a boat and it's out in that harbor and they put down the anchor to hold it there. And it's a heavy, strong anchor that you couldn't lift because it's supposed to hold the boat down. And the tide can come and the storm can come and that boat stays there. It's anchored to something. And when we live in the shelter of the Most High, we live in that anchor. And I encourage you just to think about, is God the anchor of your soul in these times? Is that something 
that sounds theoretical, or do you know where to go when these times hit to anchor yourself to God? Going to God doesn't always turn out instantly. You can be in the harbor and throw down your anchor, and the storm's probably going to finish, and it's still going to blast the side of the boat, and you're still going to feel it and have to worry about things falling off. And it might be like that with God, that we anchor ourselves to Him, we look to Him for hope, we look for His Spirit and His peace, and the world might just keep going that way. And that storm might just keep hitting. But we can find hope that we can be anchored to Jesus Christ. And He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And He can work in our hearts. And He can bring joy and peace in the midst of these times. I just throw it out to you, if, if you hear this and you've been troubled by those things but you don't exactly engage with what does it mean to make God the anchor of my soul? How do I look to Him in these times? How can I come close to Him? How can I have relationship with Him? Feel free to grab me or talk to someone you met here. God would invite us each in. God wants us to look to Him, wants us to anchor ourselves to Him in these times and he's available he's asking for relationship with us so again we're going to talk next week really just about in the face of things that are difficult in the face of trials how can the hope of heaven help us in that how can it be tangible How can it really set our eyes on it today? Let's pray and we'll be on our way here. God, we thank you for today. It's good to be together. It's good to worship you. It's good to be in prayer. We thank you that you do offer your hope in these times. God, without you, it would barely feel like there'd be a glimmer of light to cling to. We just thank you that there is a hope you give us, that you're with us, that you grieve with us. We thank you that you can overcome it. And nothing's going to slip by you. Thank you that you can just be in our hearts. You can help us not worry. You can help us not be anxious. You have a joy and peace. God, I want that life this week. We all do. We want to cling to you. God, help us in the midst of this. Do that. Just pray you bless this week. Bless all the gospel groups that are going on. and Help us each really reflect on how we can grow in knowing you. How we can reflect on knowing your character. How we can anchor ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen.